fairy tale for sale. Love is a many splendid thing. Its sweet surrender renders me useless. Love, love, love. And now I'm back on my back. Fairy tale for sale. My prince charming, god of self-harming. To be worshipped, thin-lipped. A self-fulfilling fantasy lay. It plays in my head until the sex is dead. And I'm back on my back. With the flattery flattened to a cheap piece of tat on my finger. Fairy tale for sale. At first the laughter promises happy ever after. And they are not sure if you are Madonna or whore. They beg to steal a kiss from your lips, but soon they're commenting on the size of your hips. And however perfect your ass was, dear, once it's been ridden, there's always someone with a better rear. Bitter little glitter shitter. I looked like a princess and the butter wouldn't melt on my tongue, but back on my back, the pee under the mattress just made me long for that happy ever after. Fairy tale for sale. Every morning I wish someone would wake me with a kiss, but the house echoes and the bed rocks. The bed mocks me as my memories of love mock me to sleep back on my back. He said I always got in too deep, heaped the insults on my head. I plaited them into my hair. Instead, they made me feel like a crown of clouds. I want to be loved, but I keep getting shoved in the back, out the door. I turn, I return, I return for more. Why? For the highs and the lows, the sighs and those paper promises. Fairy tale for sale. I'll prevail over those disasters that make men the masters of my heart. Start a new story, reflect my true glory, crown myself queen of fire. Fairy tale for sale. The witch uses her head, but instead I used my heart, cooked it, pulled it apart. Fairy tale for sale. Back on my back, crying with laughter, wallowing in this happy ever after. Wrecking Ball, Alice Smith, Edinburgh Fringe, 2015. Hello and welcome to week 7 of the 361 Recovery Programme and we're on series 3 called 361. I'm going to let you into a secret, I was going to stop after week 6 but we've had a real surge in listeners, especially over in America. So thank you if you're listening to us in America. We love you but we don't love your president. (laughs) Well that's it, I've broken my rule of trying not to be political but we're really glad to have you along. Even if you are a Trump supporter, maybe we'll be able to change your mind. And of course, thank you and hello to all our listeners in Britain. And we have other listeners all over the world now. So thank you so much for joining us. And I hope you're going to get a lot out of it. So we're on series three, 361. And as you know, if you've been listening along, the 361 Recovery Programme is for women mainly at the moment. And we're helping you by giving you lots of advice activities and asking you some questions because of course we don't have all the answers about recovery from abuse but not just abuse from divorce from trauma from bereavement and from major life transitions and changes and I'm Alice Smith part of 361 Life Support and we're running a 361 recovery program well listeners it's going really well we're running two courses 361 pages which is more of a creative recovery program and 361 recovery we've got some lovely groups starting and it's re- running so well that we're going to start another one on October the 25th so if you're interested it's free 
and it's operating on Zoom at the moment and there'll be more information at the end. So please get in touch to receive a lovely 361 journal and join a fantastic group of women. We're walking the walk or walking alongside each other to recover from domestic abuse and other issues with the 361 recovery program. Now today we're on week seven which is lonely versus alone and the larger um, title of our episode and our week seven is life is a classroom. 361 believes that we're in lifelong learning. We don't just finish the course in 12 weeks and that's it, thanks. We have the certificate and we go back to our lives. Actually, the 361 recovery program, like all major recovery programs such as the AA, is a lifelong recovery program and we aim to give you the skills you need to in a continuous recovery, a continuous what we call emotional evolution. And evolution doesn't stop. We evolve every single day of our lives. And the trick is to find other people that we can walk alongside. And we seem to be doing that with 361. Now, I want to start by asking you, are you lonely or are you alone? And do you know the difference? Week seven is all about learning that difference. And it also talks about dreaming big. So if life is a classroom, get your head out of the window. Look out of the window. Despite what your teachers said at school, you need to dream big. You need to daydream. You need to detach your mind from earthly things and daily worries and start to dream. How big are your dreams? What's your vision? What vision are you going to build, not just for your life, but let's see beyond. We talk about victim, survivor, what lies beyond in 361 Life Support. What lies beyond your life? What lies beyond the classroom, which is your life? What are you going to leave? And later on in the series, we're going to be looking at legacy building. But for now, in week seven, we're looking at our dreams, our passions. We're going to expand them. We're going to think bigger. We have to make the first step to think what are they and put them down on paper. But back to this big question, lonely versus alone. Personally, I calculated that I've only been single very few years in my life and my biggest mistake was to only be single for 21 days. I'm just going to put it out there. Please don't judge me. Between a live-in partner and the person who became my second husband. I had 21 days and I didn't know what the hell I was doing in those 21 days. So I went to pubs and sure enough, I found someone who eventually fleeced me out of every single penny I owned and left me with PTSD. Now, Is it his fault? No, I don't think it is in recovery. It's not his fault. He was an abuser, but I was prey. So in those 21 days, I was walking around as prey. I didn't realise it saying, oh, please pick me. Please ruin me. And why did I do this? There's lots of reasons, but I'm just going to share this main one in week seven. Because I felt lonely. Now, lonely to me is a lack of the lack within. And as a recovering alcoholic, I feel the lack within. And I know that some of you will too. And we feel that lack within. That's a quote from Jacqueline Hyde, by the way. The lack within can be filled with shopping, food, friends, going out. In my case, alcohol, other drugs. There's lots of things that we can fill the lack within with. Netflix, um, sex, promiscuity, Tinder. I could go on and you know what I'm talking about now. So that lack within when it's really out of control and it's not acknowledged becomes a lonely feeling. To me, a lonely is I'm not enough. And I think of it as kind of like a negative. Like if I get someone else, I'll be enough. I won't be lonely. Now, this was Four four decades of my life from childhood, I was taught from Disney that I'm not going to be enough until I find someone. And I suppose I feel slightly bitter now to realise that this isn't true. I'm four years single now. I didn't mean to be single for so long, but I actually found the Holy Grail as it was. I found being alone. 
Did you know that the word alone comes originally from the Old English, all one? And it's the concept which in this society is not promoted, which that we can only be all ourself, all at one with ourself when we are alone, all one. Think about that. And so next time someone asks you, are you on your own? Are you alone? And then obviously the inevitable, do you get lonely? Well, first of all, you don't have to answer them. And it gets on my nerves. I don't know about you. I've just been away for four days and I was asked constantly eight times a day, are you on your own? Are you alone? Do you get lonely? But really, I don't have to answer. But inside, I know that I feel whole for the first time in my life. Now, I'm not suggesting we have to be single forever, but the 361 suggests two years to find that feeling of all one, being alone. And now, I never feel lonely because, do you know what? I have myself for company. Living the dream. Will it have a door that shuts tight against past fears? A non-tremoring bedroom with a pillow waterproofed against tears? Will I lay my head on a new bed that's there when I return? And do I dare to dream that I will share it with someone who does not alter when alteration finds? Will it have smooth walls to hang my rough art from friends who saw my heart had broken underneath the painted smile and painted me a new style of life in my mind's eye when I couldn't see on sand-kicked, boot-crushed, closed-curtain days? Will it have a light that never goes out on friendship and healing? Will I get the feeling we are family and not just one, two, three? Not spirit destroyed, just paused temporarily. Will it have open spaces to feel? A view of my future from a frayed windowsill above a pile of clean memories freshly pressed? Will it have a bright kitchen for red wine and hurt belly laughter? Will the sink be messy and the bin overflowing without knowing that punishment is coming one fine day? Will it be more her than him? Will it be fabulously messy? If I will it so. Will it spray sunshine between the blue and can it be all about you when we visit with homemade jam to sweeten my new view? Will this sun-soaked attic room make me high, freedom on loan? Because drug-free, I can sleep alone. A clean break. Birds released from their cage get breathless. Take the energy and give solitary contemplation. Ease into flight overseas. Will the carpets be covered in cake crumbs and never burn my skin or make me hate the skin I'm in? But rather, will I be spared? My damp hair out in a fan as I plan to show the world and his wife what this girl lost to win her life. Will the clock tick gently, chewing time like a marshmallow? Pink-hazed, sunlit days to remember, not forget, making up for the past in hurried, pink-cheeked, lost curl joy. Will the silence be final, not a never-ending brace for attack, backpacked, fully clothed, brain-hacked? Is it finally time to unpack the mirrors and the hurt and bury them in the dirt from whence they came? I will cry as this ends. Goodbye, dear friends. Hello, dreams and new promises. December 2015 on repossession of my house, Alice Smith. Loneliness is an epidemic in 2020, even before COVID. Loneliness and isolation And it's an epidemic in the Western world, UK and USA, where a lot of our listeners are listening. And also in Japan and China, but not in all aspects. So keep it in mind. I mean, there's a lot of societies where the tribe still exists and there's no segregation of the elderly, for example. Anyway, there are three types of loneliness. One is intimate, emotional loneliness, where you may be living with a confidant or a partner that you just feel lonely next to. 
The second type of loneliness is relational or social. Maybe no friendships or not quality friendships. And the third type of loneliness, which we've just touched on there, is collective loneliness. A lack of networks, a lack of community. Do you know the people you live next to even? And a lack of shared ideas. As humans, we need all these three things. What's the difference between loneliness and isolation? Well, loneliness is subjective. It's kind of we might feel it. But isolation is the objective state of being alone and out of touch with no social interactions. Did you know that many people live alone and they never speak or see anyone throughout the day? That's isolation. What defines loneliness is our internal comfort level. In loneliness, we long to escape physical or emotional pain and we often feel burdened by shame. This is why post-abuse we can feel real debilitating loneliness because of that shame. And we might be cut off from our networks as well. Solitude is a different thing. It's a positive thing and it's what we're aiming for in 361 Recovery. Self-reflection and connection to yourself. Solitude embraces emotional well-being. It sees it's a kind of sacred state and it allows positive and negative emotions to surface. Solitude actually protects against loneliness, but it does depend where you are on the path. For the first five years of my recovery, I was nothing but lonely. Then I kind of, I don't know, I hit pay dirt and I began to enjoy solitude, but I had to get there. So if you're not there yet, don't feel bad. The social prescribing of GPs is quite interesting. How doctors have started to think that networks and groups and leisure centres are a good thing to prescribe for lonely people. This is because they finally realised that there is a link between the social and emotional health of a nation. Did you know that heartbreak and broken hearted syndrome are an actual thing? When we're cut off from our tribe, an intensely concentrated dose of loneliness can kill us. This very often happens with couples that have been together for years. One dies and the other dies three months later. It actually appears on the death certificate as broken hearted syndrome. Loneliness can be genetic. Studies show that it's 55% genetic. So you can inherit that kind of tendency, I suppose, towards being lonely, just like you can inherit alcoholism. Loneliness has the potential to kill, but connection has the potential to heal. As a society, we seem addicted to trying to cure, in inverted commas, the emotional pain of loneliness. But cultures and traditions, unlike ours, don't shape loneliness with social expectations, those shoulds. Ask yourself, how socially acceptable is your single status? I can't help asking myself as I walk around on my four-day break on my own. The answer is not very. There are also different loneliness thresholds according to different cultural values and expectations about the social connection we expect from our families or maybe we expected to get married or maybe as a woman we're expected to be someone and maybe we actually like being alone. Or there's a thousand and one other examples. But these social expectations can actually press on us and make us feel more lonely. And in terms of the 361 recovery programme, loneliness is a bad thing because loneliness pushes us into that social expectation to find someone else, to get someone else. And as we say over and over again in 361, finding the one is finding you, creating a situation where you feel whole and you can sit alone and you can complete yourself. And then and only then 
do you make a choice to find someone if you want to? But finding the one is a social expectation that leads to loneliness and it can lead to abuse and a lot more difficulties for us. So loneliness and isolation, they are, I don't hear people talking about them for survivor, but we're talking about them for survivors and we'll continue to talk about this. And the 361 Life Support Network aims to create a social network where we can share our emotional reactions and we can feel connected to each other, not trauma bonded, but connected to each other after a socially acceptable series of events, which is basically what abuse is. No, we're not going to sweep it under the carpet and forget about it, pretend it didn't happen. We're new people, but we don't have to be lonely. Looking back over our 361 Recovery series, I found in series two an episode called Create Dangerously and in there was the activity from the 361 called the Y Activity. And instead of trying to explain it, I thought we'd go back and have a little bit of a revisit and a throwback to when Jess and I did the Y activity together. Now we were doing it about creativity, but we can do this about anything. So for instance, you might start with saying, I want to leave my boyfriend. And then you ask yourself why, and you keep going, why? Or let's choose something positive. I want a cat. Ask yourself why and keep going. Or I want to lose weight. Ask yourself why and keep going. Or I really, really, really want more friends, a new hat, a new dog, a lawnmower. How do I know what you want? I really want whatever it is. And then you ask yourself why, or I really feel a certain way. It's good for feelings. You keep asking yourself why. And as you'll hear now in episode two, Jess and I, we hit pay dirt on the answer. Hello and welcome back to episode 15 of Create Dangerously. I bet you can't imagine what we're going to do next. We've been talking about bananas, talc, cakes, haven't we, Jess? We have. I blame you, Jess. Why me? I don't know. It just seems easier that way. I've done that all my life, blamed other people. I'm not going to stop now, am I? (laughs) Fair enough argument. So so I've got one more, right? And uh, I think... So that it doesn't seem too intrusive for you, I think you you can sort of do this activity on me. So all you have to do is keep shouting why at me. And listeners, you can shout why. Now, this is a great activity, and I've had some really great brainwaves with this. So it's called the why and how. And the, the idea is that, you know, when you're a kid, you ask why all the time, don't you? We did. And it's really annoying, isn't it? But if you're listening to kids, but they ask why and they have that curiosity so I'm going to think of something and then you're going to keep asking me why till I have this moment of amazement so here it is then I am going I want to write this book and finish it why because I want to write a book why because I've always wanted to write a book why because I love writing why because i want to share my ideas why because i want to give value to my experiences why because my experiences could help other people why well bingo there it is so i can now put i want to write a book i can put it by my mirror because i want my experiences to help people that's going to keep me back on track now because you see how you get to the core of it? It's great, isn't it? Yeah, I like it. I like the fact that you seem to talk to yourself more as a friend in that exercise rather than the inner critic as well. All of your answers are really positive. That's an interesting note. Would you like to do it with your with your project? Sure. All right, so so what do you want to do then, Jess? Um, I want to make a PVC pencil dress. 
Why? Because I like the way they look and I want to create something I'm proud of. Why? Because I don't like a lot of the PVC dresses on the market because I think they're trashy. Why? Because they're not well made and I feel like women deserve better made clothes. Why? Because current fashion techniques don't always, if it's off the rail, don't always reflect how women are actually beautiful and they're really badly fitting and I don't feel like women should have insecurities based on that. Is there another why or is that it? I think that's it. <laughs> wow. Wow, that was amazing because you suddenly went from wanting to create a dress to bringing some really serious values about society in. Yeah. I've never explored the why part behind like some of my projects, but that was quite interesting. Well, I hope, listeners, you can try that. Um, I'm a big writer, so I, I write it down, but I've had some really good kind of uh, insights. Like yesterday, I just thought, what is the matter with me? What the hell is the matter with me? Why can't I redraft this? So I did it. Why can't I redraft this? And you know what I came up with, Jess? What? Well, I've got to be patient. It's not that I can't redraft it. It's just I hate how long it's taking. Yeah. So I hate the process if it's too long. And that's, I've said to you before, I'm a very quick, restless person and I need to sit in it and get over it and just sort myself out with that. They are the critic coming back there. <laughs> but the um, as well. What's that, sorry? Probably the overachiever as well if you're freaking out due to the length of time it's taking if that's what's causing the overwhelm that's probably the overachieving voice as well yes because I, I i've just got this i always have this image this is me really i always check a cake to see if it's done and, and i just can't leave it you know and and that's the same with the creative process really isn't it it can be yeah so we're coming to the end of our section uh, and we're going to hear a few more writing prompts now and and various different ideas for creativity but anything else to add just to finish off Jess uh, about creativity because because we are I'm feeling a bit foggy at the moment um any any last messages for our listeners do something completely different to the projects you're working on every now and then because it helps break up getting too stuck in linear thinking and it might help with some of the overwhelm uh I imagine a fair amount of people are going pretty brain melty at the moment. I mean, we're in week nine of lockdown. So that's a long time to be isolated from society. and We're not designed to do that. So be kinder to yourself as well. Definitely. That's fab. And, and I made a few notes. What do you think of this, Jess? Sleep on it sometimes. Um, yeah. Have the old have a shower. Having a shower is a really good one. I definitely back that. And then a walk or if you were this way inclined, a dance, because I, I usually dance four times a week and I can't tell you how many fab ideas I've had halfway through the dance class. I can imagine dancing is very creative and I definitely think it helps with the flow of energy. And, and finally, do you do you get inspiration from music? Because I do. Is that something that people could do? Again, fine tuning what they're listening to, but. Would that be a good tip for them? Yeah. Just be careful who you're picking to listen to as artists at the moment because, well, occasionally it's good to go and cry to sad songs if that's what you're going to surround yourself with for a while, it's going to have an impact. So definitely pick. Like I quite like liquid drum and bass, actually. Just the instrumental liquid drum and bass I tend to find really helps lift my mood, but it'll be individual. Wise words, Jess. Thanks for now and stay safe. Stay sane, everyone, and, and you, Jess. Thank you. Balloon race. Yes, well, I suppose to explain the balloon race for our American listeners and also some of our younger listeners in the UK... It's kind of of its time, I suppose. When we were kids, it was really exciting and fantastic kind of childhood hope that we would win the balloon race. So it's not really what you're thinking. We would buy a balloon and buy a ticket to put on it and write on it 
a little message and then say it would say please return to and the idea was that the winner of the balloon race was the one whose balloon traveled the furthest so we would set it off say from Plymouth and you would hope that it would go all the way out and over and into France and somebody would it's a big wish really isn't it it's false hope but as kids you know what it's like we thought it would go so far as kids we thought it was going to go to Arabia we thought it was going to go to the moon we thought it was going to go to all these lands that we'd never heard of as working class kids and that we would somehow end up hearing from someone amazing who would send the ticket back to say that our balloon had indeed traveled to the furthest parts of the Sahara Desert and we had won. I mean we didn't really care what we'd won at that point. I mean we were kids, we just wanted to win and we just had this idea that so so exciting. As I say, for working class kids, working class kids we've got we got small dreams and we did have before the age of the media, social media and you know our dreams were in a way they were they were not even we couldn't even describe them, we couldn't visualise them, but by buying this ticket and sending this balloon off, we somehow wished to transcend our own limited boundaries, I think. And so it was a, It was hope. It was hope, personified childhood hope, and I used to love the idea of the balloon race. And maybe you loved the balloon race in your childhood. It's an exciting promise of sending a message on the end of a balloon and imagining it landing somewhere, some far off land. And you won a prize. Of course, they probably popped fairly quickly, but as a child, I had extreme optimism that they would live forever and take my message with them. When I'd grown up, I used the same approach in dating and marriages. I rolled up all my dreams into this one person, usually someone emotionally unavailable, and then I handed him the power to pop them. Looking back, I can't believe I did this now. Are you still doing this? Do you plead and beg for things you could afford to buy yourself? Do you have dream holidays you never get to because he wants to go somewhere else and he wins? Or are you single and waiting for Prince Charming to come and whisk you off and buy you everything you dream of in a fairy tale ending? If so, don't take this the wrong way, but grow up. Balloons pop. I mean, that could be a good mantra for midlife, couldn't it? When all our bloody balloons pop one by one, you can hear them as you march through your 40s. 361 Recovery Programme offers us some perspective on our lives. It's great to have dreams and towards the end of the programme we do start to write and really visualise our dreams. Some are realistic and some will never come true but they're our dreams. They're our balloons. 361 can help you write down your vision and plan goals to achieve those dreams. We can realise those dreams ourselves. The focus is on... This is not Wonderland, even if my name is Alice, and this is life. And for some of you listening, this is midlife. The balloons have already popped, girls. 361 champions your hopes and dreams by listening to them and helping you visualise and speak them out. But 361 also asks you to be realistic about them. How are you going to achieve them? Who or what is getting in your way? And more importantly, what's the payoff for keeping those people in your life? Sometimes we deliberately choose limiting people so we don't succeed. That's self-sabotage. You need to try and find and choose the one balloon that won't pop. Your dream. And you need to believe that you can achieve it. You don't have to wait for someone to come along and make you whole so you can win the balloon race.
balloon race. He holds my dreams like balloons, releasing them one by one into the air. Each one tagged, return to sender. He is my great pretender, holding them tightly, watching them sail lightly over the trees to join the skylines. He laughs and calls it my sign from God in his heaven. He struggles to pick my favourites. To release them gives him peace of mind. It's his way of being kind, holding onto them. It's a false idea. And returning them is his fear. A fear of losing control of me. A fear of not having the whole of me. Troubling my dreams over his shoulder as they disappear into the colder air. Unfair? Well, the tags hang down with a hopeful sway. So maybe one day, someday, I'll get what I want. Alice Smith very post-abuse, as in just after 2013. Since last podcast, we've had great feedback, and one of the things that people have been really shocked about is that women can gaslight. Yes, your female friends could be gaslighting you. This is called Female Traps. We all value friendship and we can get really close to other women. We bond easily. It's what we do well as a gender. This can often lead us to miss out on a female trap because we're looking the other way to protect ourselves from toxic men. We may miss the toxic best friend gaslighting us. Yes, listeners, women can be narcissists too. Women can be toxic influences in our lives, but they smile so sweetly. Oh, who knew? Your best friend, who you're telling all your secrets to, could be the best thing in your life or the worst. This has happened to me. It's a shock. I was looking the other way, listeners. Here are some of the signs to look out for. One, very quickly, you are inseparable. You feel a soul connection. Two, you text every day and all day. As soon as something happens, you text her. Three, you begin to ask her advice about everything. Four, getting a bit darker now. She makes subtle comments about your weight, your height, clothes, eyebrows, children. Five, it all begins to feel all one way. You splurge your life out and she tells you nothing. Six, she has big secrets. Seven, she does radio silence. Eight, she begins to turn up unannounced, often with cake. Nine, your friends are her friends even when you fall out with them. She's talking about you behind your back with them, don't you know? Nine, she copies how you dress. Ten, she stalks you on Facebook. Oh, I can't go on. Listeners, female narcissists are charming, but it's all surface level. They are the friend of your dreams, and that's the problem. They shower you with gifts, but these are gifts of ownership. Necklaces and bracelets, anyone? Or maybe a ring? They're gifts of failed insults. Moisturiser? Conditioner for your hair? Or they're gifts of sabotage? Sweets when you're on a diet? Pause the wine when you're cutting down. Does all this sound familiar? What's your payout for keeping this friend close? Be very honest. Then take her out of your circle. Complete radio silence is the only way to end things. With a narcissist. Meeting to talk about it gives her your energy. Cut all contact and be prepared for the gaslighting to go through the route with lie spreading amongst all the people. Yes, all your secrets are going to come out. Other tricks too. The way she acts next will prove you right, although that's no real satisfaction. It's a betrayal. All gaslighting is a betrayal. Next time though, listeners, 
you won't be caught out. This is how we learn. Fairy tale for sale. I have a lot to say about this poem. So every episode I give you the story behind the poem. This is a major poem for me. It was the major poem and part of my first show, which went to Edinburgh Fringe, Brighton Fringe and then all over the world. And when we went to Edinburgh Fringe, we decided to change the title slightly from Wrecking Ball in Brighton to Dark Fairy Tale. And I think you can get a real good sense of where I'm at with this. It was that idea, and I know that you're going to get this, that we are sold a fairy tale dream in marriage, especially the children of the 70s. And we suddenly find ourselves past that fairy tale and the fairy tale is for sale. And it was written back in 2013 and it has elements of my abusive life there, lying in a bed, lying back on my back, lying in an empty bed. And the, I'm not going to go into it, but the hint that the bed rocks, the bed mocks me to sleep, hints at some sexual assault there. It's a dark poem and I put it into the play to switch the tone halfway through so the first half was very funny with me as a drag queen and then it just flipped and it reminded me in dramatic and energy wise on stage of that bit where you're going up laughing up a roller coaster and then you suddenly see the top and you know how you hear the gears go and then you are terrified and the play was called a dark theatrical trip and from then on it went very 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 dark it was also a poem where i realized the power of my own voice because i was acting silly in the first half and when i sat and actually spoke to this play as an actor you can you could see you can feel the energy and audience and lots of things about an audience and I heard that I saw their ears prick up and I saw them feel something and be interested in what I was saying so in terms of my recovery and as an artist it was really powerful for me to see that I might have something to say um also, this, this poem talks about uh, I'll prevail over these disasters and become queen of fire. And this didn't happen to me until just recently. So I wanted to tell you that recovery is a very long process. Although I was uh, a big shot on stage and everyone was, was sort of saying how great I was, I was speaking something into being that hasn't has only just come true the queen of fire element, which to me is recovering my feminine. So if you listen to this, you'll hear a lot about a damaged, wounded female. You've got the bed rocking, your back on your back. You've got insults in your head, PTSD. And I think there was a real regret in here that the witch used her head, but I used my heart. And a lot of damage that took me years to get over was that I hated myself for being so inverted commas soft. I hated myself for loving. I hated myself for being tricked, for giving too much. And seven years on, I don't know if you can identify with that, but it is a feeling after abuse. Seven years on, and it's a long seven years, I can now say to myself, it's not that I gave and they took and they tricked me. It's that I gave. That makes me a bigger person that fills me with who I really am. I'm a healer. I'm a giver. I have more boundaries in place now. Yes, I'm not going to give everything away to everyone. But the essence of me is a giver and a sharer like a lot of women. And that line there had regret. I gave my heart and it was taken and pulled apart. But I would still give now, not in that way, but in my life I give I choose who to give to and I protect myself and that is the best bit about my recovery. The fairy tale's gone yet and I see things as they are now. But I feel like a queen of fire and my hope for you is that that's where you get to too.
fairy tale for sale. Love is a many splendid thing. Its sweet surrender renders me useless. Love, love, love. And now I'm back on my back. Fairy tale for sale. My prince charming, god of self-harming. To be worshipped, thin-lipped. A self-fulfilling fantasy lay. It plays in my head until the sex is dead. And I'm back on my back. With the flattery flattened to a cheap piece of tat on my finger. Fairy tale for sale. At first the laughter promises happy ever after. And they are not sure if you are Madonna or whore. They beg to steal a kiss from your lips, but soon they're commenting on the size of your hips. And however perfect your ass was, dear, once it's been ridden, there's always someone with a better rear. Bitter little glitter shitter. I looked like a princess and the butter wouldn't melt on my tongue, but back on my back, the pee under the mattress just made me long for that happy ever after. Fairy tale for sale. Every morning I wish someone would wake me with a kiss, but the house echoes and the bed rocks. The bed mocks me as my memories of love mock me to sleep back on my back. He said I always got in too deep, heaped the insults on my head. I plaited them into my hair. Instead, they made me feel like a crown of clouds. I want to be loved, but I keep getting shoved in the back, out the door. I turn, I return, I return for more. Why? For the highs and the lows, the sighs and those paper promises fairy tale for sale I'll prevail over those disasters that make men the masters of my heart start a new story reflect my true glory crown myself queen of fire fairy tale for sale the witch uses her head but instead I used my heart cooked it pulled it apart. Fairy's tale for sale, back on my back, crying with laughter, wallowing in this happy ever after. Wrecking Ball, Alice Smith, Edinburgh Fringe, 2015. The 361 Recovery Programme is a recovery programme for women following divorce, bereavement and abuse. It's a 12-week programme. It's coming out for free with funding from Ensign. And there are actually plans to bring it out for men as well in 2021, fear not. But at the moment, it's just for women. If you're interested in a place, we are starting a third 361 recovery programme on October the 25th, which is a Sunday, at GMT 4 till 6pm. If you'd like a place, please get in touch with Alice via our website, 361lifesupport.co.uk. It's going to be two hours a week on Zoom, and it's a powerful recovery programme which focuses you on you. You do need to have had some counselling first because it's a stage three recovery programme where we begin to reconnect with the world. We ask ourselves, what's our vision? What's our legacy? And we look to go from victim to survivor to what lies beyond. If you're interested, please get in touch and we're really looking forward to working with you. Last night I dreamt I walked into my dreams, a surrealist space of infinite possibilities. 
and as I moved slowly through this floating world of abstract associations, I felt a slow-burning revolution of the mind. My own personal sign language painted the purple sky with stars hanging in the air. My imagination had free reign like a horse galloping through the waves of my mind, like time-frozen rainbows. I was troubled by my dream reality more than my waking life, and as I struggled to wake up, to escape, to escape without being seen, my creativity kept me here in this halfway house. I felt the delirium of obsession edged with numbers. Why was I fighting to return to the denial of daylight? Awake like a coward, I deconstructed it, made it smaller, reduced it to an entry in this dream journal. Tonight I will stay awake in the ordinary, but the traveller in me yearns to go back. Three Six One Sober is a new recovery programme, six weeks on Zoom, starting in October on Sundays. It's been designed for people who are interested in becoming sober, or they're within their first year of sobriety. I'm Alice and I've been sober for three and a half years now and I've felt every single minute of every single day. As a recovering alcoholic, I've devised a programme that helps us to think and share and strengthen the resolve to stay sober. We ask why we want to be sober and we discuss strategies that worked and those that didn't and the benefits. Oh, there are always benefits. It's kind of half and half, there's a balance, there's some really difficult bits like isolation and losing your friends, but there are so many more benefits that outweigh that, including clarity of thought, improved mental health, less mood swings, and positivity coming at you in bucketfuls. Also, no headaches in the mornings. So if you're interested in 361 Sober, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays in October and you can get in touch with us at 361lifesupport.co.uk. Cheers.